Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. My guests today are Mark Washington and Dr. Chris Damon, and they have created something called Supergut. This episode is all things fiber. Please enjoy. Mark Washington and Chris Damon, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Ethan. Yeah, great to be on. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys. So I, my focus for a long time has and and still to this stage it's true it's been weight loss just mm-hmm. purely weight loss that's the mm-hmm. metric i'm concerned with and i think that you can go about that in many divergent ways and i don't necessarily think one is better than another for individuals right i i don't think everybody will experience the same thing doing mm-hmm. some thing however i have found um and what i'm really excited to talk to you guys about is so I ha- I I achieved weight loss, right? And then the next big yeah. battle is maintaining weight loss, which is exactly. a whole other exactly. battle. So I did that. I have found lately that I got lots of health benefits from weight loss and I've I've maintained lots of health benefits from weight loss, but I found that I eat a very not diverse diet. I w- I wind up eating a lot of the same things and and I started to see my LDLs tick up and my mm-hmm. HDLs tick down. And this was not something my doctors were super concerned with, but then it over a couple of years, they were like, this is, trend is continuing. And so I've now come into like 
weight loss is not the only metric yes. to define my health. Now I have to become one of these people. Like I've started eating chia seeds. This was not something that I ever, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I like the majority, I would not eat a lot of fats in my foods. Uh, the fat would be in a lean chicken breast or, mm -hmm. uh, or a lean piece of because, beef. because of the weight loss focus. Like that was like avoidance because, yeah. Of, because of weight. Yeah, yeah. So I was effectively getting no, uh, omega threes, uh -huh. lots of omega sixes, and there's a whole bunch of different factors there, but I'm interested in health as a metric outside of weight loss, kind of for the first time. And so that's what I'm really excited to talk to you guys about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're excited to talk about that. And obviously there's lots of different aspects. The area we'll probably spend a lot of time talking about is the gut, right? right. And the foundation for whole health, which does impact weight loss, but it impacts whole foundational health, which is what you're, what you're talking about. So yeah, sure. we're, we're excited to dive in. Yeah. And the gut is such a weird thing, you know, like I, I've been reading up about it and like how it can affect depression. It can affect mood. There's some kind of communication happening between the gut and the brain that that's like this mysterious thing and healthy gut versus unhealthy gut. And, and so there's just a lot to to like figure out that I don't totally understand. I mean, I don't understand it at all. I'm hoping you guys can explain <laughs> it to me. What is happening in our guts? Let me let me start at the high level and then Chris can provide you the details to go in as much details as uh, as you uh, so inclined. As I'm, you know, I approach it from a consumer standpoint and I, you know, thank goodness I have Chris who approaches it from a scientific and medical standpoint. He's literally one of the leading gut health experts out there. So um, at the highest level, we know now that your gut, literally your digestive system, it has just an outsized role in your overall health and disease prevention as well. Like literally, and it's more than like historically, the thought about gut health, quote unquote, was all about digestion, right? Regularity and bloating and even nausea, things of that nature. And while all that's true, what we know now is that it's so much more profound than that, that that's kind of like step one. Uh, but it really is, in many ways, your overall health of your body is connected to what's happening in your gut and what's called your gut microbiome, like literally the trillions of tiny microorganisms, in particular bacteria that reside there that play this outsized role in your health. And it is tied and connected to just about every physical and even mental system in your body. So appetite control, right, and how your metabolism, how you carry weight blood sugar control, the insulin sensitivity, like keeping your blood sugar at a healthy range, your heart health, you know, cholesterol, blood pressure. And then you even pointed to it. We even know now that there's this bi-directional connection between what's happening in your gut and your brain, your mental health. So things like mood and anxiety and brain fog, and even some really chronic disease, depression, anxiety, like those actually have a connection to what's happening in your gut as well. So it's kind of hard to believe. Like when I really dove into this about four or five years ago, it was a little hard to believe that all of these different systems in your body could have this commonality, this common connection. That's what's happening in your gut. But it absolutely is true. The science has come so far. We still have a lot to learn, but we know not now that your gut is absolutely foundational. If you really truly want to get a good control of your overall foundational health, you should start in your gut. Yeah. And, and is there like, when I, when I look at this stuff, 
my um my very base like you know i'm always jumping to what's the easiest fastest way because this was always my inclination with weight loss get it off as fast as possible which which i know now is like wasn't the correct route for me because it just was a failure for 15 years mm-hmm. um uh, repeated failures of losing weight and gaining weight but like my my uh, fast twitch you know twitter brain is like well just clean me out like sterilize me and do a fecal transplant of like a person who doesn't have overeating problems who doesn't have all the bullshit that i have just give me their gut right Mm -hmm. and that's what i want and like is that coming or do or can we repair this stuff yeah so um tom first of all i wanted to sort of underscore your really really important point at the beginning uh, that weight is kind of a marker and a metric for health, but it's not everything. Right. Right. Like, um, and you know, cholesterol is case in point, but blood pressure, these other things are really, really important too. And they don't always go hand in hand. Um, one of the nice things about, uh, the gut as Mark was highlighting is if you support the gut with a diverse diet and support diverse microbes, um, evolution has kind of figured things out for us. Uh, and that will in turn support, you know, generally speaking, overall health to a certain degree. Um, so there's there's some power uh, there in approaching things holistically. Um, now, in terms of um, sort of specifics around um, the gut and what's going on, I think one of the things we've been missing a little bit is we focus so much on the macro and micronutrients, and those are the proteins, the fats, the carbs, and, uh, you know, minerals and vitamins. And those are incredibly important. And we've learned so much. Um, we, uh, to a certain extent, have have addressed food uh, insecurity in certain parts of the world, although not uh, entirely. Where we've learned less and where things are happening right now are in this area of bioactives. And fiber falls into that category, uh, which is the area that we've been really focusing on um, at the company at Supergut. Uh, But there's other bioactives in there as well, in the so-called food matrix, the overall composition of food. And I think as we delve into what some call the dark matter of food, these other things, some of the um, whole composition of food and how that impacts overall health will become more and more clear. Right. Yeah. So fiber for me, as I lost weight, as I finally found like a diet and I don't mean restrictive, but although it was restrictive, mm-hmm. but I mean like my lifestyle that I that I was like, oh, I can do that forever. This this I, I'm comfortable with. I had it in my head like I know I need fiber. I've read that you need fiber, but I'm not tracking it in the same yeah. way at all as my other macros. Right. right. I'm just like I'm taking vegetables almost as supplements, right? Like my wife eats yeah. vitamin pills, and I eat a handful of raw broccoli just because I know I'm supposed to eat it. <laughs> I had never tracked it and when i started tracking it the daily recommendation their daily recommended amounts versus what i was actually consuming was i was nowhere near it i was at like you know 10 grams and they're saying like 30 to 40 grams and then i found getting to 30 to 40 grams really tough so i started taking psyllium husk capsules which i'm not gonna lie those didn't uh, agree with me totally you know mm-hmm. I, I i was like bloated and gaining weight while i was taking them and, and and it just wasn't great and and so i was like okay i'm gonna just gonna try to get this all through food it's hard yeah it's hard to eat that much fiber man unless you're, you're a vegetarian or something 
you are you are hitting on such an important point because what you experience is not just your experience. That is the common experience, and that's when you're trying, right? right. Like where you where you started is where the vast majority of us are. Like, yes, we know we're supposed to get more fiber, fruits, and veggies. Hopefully, I'm doing that when I eat a salad or some broccoli, what have you. Right. But it's called it's called the fiber gap, right? And this fiber gap is real and it's pervasive. The stats say, literally, almost none of us. of adults in the U.S. get that daily minimum recommended amount of fiber in your diet. 5%. That's none of us. Like, And so when you're even trying to, when you're cognizant and even trying to track and measure, you see that that fiber gap exists for a reason. It's really, really hard to do. Like through through a traditional Western diet to live your life in a sustainable way and way that you're enjoying food, et cetera. It's really hard even when you are cognizant and attempting to do it. Right. And so it's, but it's, but the, on the other hand, it's really, really important. Right. I mean, we know now that fiber is important, not just for digestion, right. But for gut health and for overall health. So what do you do? Right. And so that's obviously where hopefully we can play a role in this as super gut. Like how do we help people? We make it, easier, more accessible, and I say even enjoyable to close that fiber gap in a way that you can do it through food, right? And how can we augment what you get? Whole food diet is still great. It's still the best thing that you can do, right? So continue to eat the broccoli, continue to eat your veggies and your salad, but what can we do to still continue to close that gap? And how can we do it with, you know, prebiotic fiber that fills that gap with shakes or bars. We have our own mixes of standalone as well. And the nice thing is quite different. Like all fiber is good for you, like, but different fibers are created differently. And what you experience, psyllium husk is positive for health, but many fibers such as psyllium husk can be challenging in terms from a tolerance and the impact on your digestive tract and how much that you can actually get before your stomach starts to go into knots and you're bloated and so forth. So you have to be careful or cognizant about what type of fiber that you're getting in your diet. We try to focus on those that are more easily tolerated so that you can actually take more of it to fill that gap without your stomach turning into knots uh, and you're standing by the the, the restroom all, all day long. So yeah, we hope to play a role in filling that fiber gap for folks. I, I th- That's great because I haven't, I'm still messing with it because I'm like, now that, be, that has become like one of my uh, most important daily metrics. And I find like when I hit it, I'm celebrating and I, and I'm going like, this was too much work. You know, like I found these, these weird, like low carb tortillas that somehow have a ton of fiber in them. And so I was just like, well, maybe if I just eat these every day, but I don't really want (laughs) every meal every day. Yeah. (laughs) And, and then I don't mind a tablespoon of chia seeds, but like, that's a lot of calories. That's, you know, a a full serving of chia seeds is a ton of calories. I I can't, I like, can't make that trade off. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't really work for me. I'll still eat a half a, a half a serving a day and get a little yeah, dose of but that's just a, it's a couple grams of fiber it's not really yeah. making a dent in what i need to do you know what i mean and i like fruit uh, so i'll eat a couple servings of fruit i'm still not naturally getting anywhere it's near hard. my target yeah i don't i to be just completely frank and um and i just try to be honest on this on this program i don't love vegetables like mm-hmm. for me i, I want like I like a, a, you know, like a broccoli casserole I like, or, you know, a scalloped potato that's probably got no fiber in it at all. But like, I, I, 
for me to enjoy vegetables, they've got to be loaded with fat. And I don't want to do that. So I'm now just like, again, taking it as though it's a or a supplement. And I, I just come to this every now and again, like, how long am I going to do this? I don't mm-hmm. know that I'm going to do this forever. And so therefore it's not valid. Right. Let me tell you just a little bit of a secret. So in regards to that scalp potato, uh, you've probably heard about resistant starch in different types. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you have leftovers, it has more fiber. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cook it, leave it in the That's fridge for a minute. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> you can make it the night before and then have it and and enjoy it and know that maybe you're you're feeding the bugs in your gut just a little bit more. Right. But I, I think Mark's point about and not all fiber is the same. Uh, you know, different types of fiber are doing different things in your diet is a really, really important one. The other um, important element to think about is um, not everyone's gut treats specific types of fiber in the same way. Mm, right. Um, and um, with modern diets, which are largely devoid of fiber, we truly have lost the metabolic capacity uh, in some people mm. to metabolize these fibers. Now, there are some which tend to be, as Mark said, a little bit kinder on the gut. Um, and there's even a term for this and an approach that's very well validated in the scientific literature around which types of fibers to avoid and maybe which ones to include in our uh, impoverished uh, microbial guts. And uh, this this buzzword are the FODMAPs. And, and maybe you've you've heard of that, but these are the fibers the that- FODMAPs. Okay. So these are, are fibers that um, are more readily fermented in the upper gut, and they can lead to bloating and even diarrhea in some people. Um, and some hypothesize it's due to imbalances in the upper gut or overgrowth, and maybe you've heard small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Um, SIBO. Mm-hmm. SIBO, yeah, that, that's, that's connected to this to a certain degree. Um, and some of the fibers that fall in there would be a lot of the fibers that are put into processed foods currently because they're so easy to formulate. These inulin-type fibers, uh, FOS or fructooligosaccharide, even like garlic powder and onion powder, which you'd think would be completely innocuous, but some people have a lot of trouble with these because they're high FODMAPs. Um, and, and folks don't realize in consuming foods that these are the things that may be contributing to a lot of their GI a symptom. So not all fibers are are equal, but there are low FODMAP fibers uh, that are much better tolerated by people and actually even help with overall uh, gut health. Uh, psyllium is one of those, the, the metamucil that you're talking about, although it's not really all that fun to eat <laughs> because it gels up. But I mean, that's been studied and it, it, uh, in some people with IBS, it helps. But there's, there's other fibers too uh, that fall into that low FODMAP category that a lot of people tolerate. Um, and it was with that in mind that we actually designed the, the fiber blend um, that, that goes into the products. Uh, it's these low FODMAP fibers, the ones that are better tolerated and ones that have actually been shown to improve your overall GI health. And so that those this is something that gets me out of e- eating vegetables. <laughs> I wouldn't no. I wouldn't go that far. Okay. <laughs> Eat your veggies if you can. Right? So it mm-hmm. all because think about it, it all works together. Like it's all in concert. Like even our solution, like we tell people we think super gut is absolutely foundational for health as a complement to a healthy, balanced, whole food diet, right? And so we still want to get your veggies as much as possible. We know that not everybody loves to have 
you know, tons of veggies all day long, right? And so we want to be complimentary to us. So which we would still very much encourage you to eat that broccoli, right? Yeah. As yeah. much as you can. But like, let's not act like you're going to go vegan and just eat broccoli and other veggies all day long. Like that's not realistic for you. That's not realistic for the vast majority of people. So how could we complement whatever you can get? Those two, three grams, those add up. How can we complement that by creating other accessible, you know, these well-tolerated types of fiber that are going to really close that fiber gap and improve your gut health. And that's kind of what we're, we're adding to. So it's, it's possible that I, as a guy who, who have found a structure or a way of eating that I'm comfortable with, that does include some fiber, albeit not nearly enough. Yes. And then go like, well, I'm going to get it to the right number with this stuff. That's the intent. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's fair. I mean, listen, it's a, a, anything at this point. I'm just like really struggling yeah. with fiber right now, like trying to get I have my mind set on 40 grams a day and it's hard. Okay. It is. It is. So give you a give you an example. Our shakes, they have 20 grams of fiber. Oh, in wow. Them. Yeah. Our bars have 10 grams of fiber in them and our fiber mix has eight on right. its own. Right. I mean, so we can close that fiber gap pretty well if you have a solid base if you're getting 10 15 20 right through your whole food diet we can help you close close that gap with with some of our products so right yeah and i think another thing to to point out when people think about whole foods and fibers they often go straight to like fruits and veggies but a diverse plant-based whole food diet includes things like beans and nuts seeds and you know even grains. Um, and it's, it's some of these fibers that have actually been linked even more strongly uh, with health outcomes than the fruits and the veggies. And, you know, resistant starch, oat beta-glucan, these are things that are found um, in, in grains, actually, to a certain degree, in like green bananas and things like that. And, and ones that have been associated uh, with being prebiotics. And we haven't talked so much about that, but there's, there's really well worked out mechanisms or ways by which these fibers are are working. And what's super, super interesting is it taps into the exact same hormones, um, gut uh, produced hormones that we're seeing in the media right now in a big way around weight loss. Uh, So, you know, the Wagovi's, these GLP-1 based uh, incretin hormone, gut derived hormone drugs for weight loss that require injection. The reason I think they're so powerful is they're tapping into a really fundamental mechanism that nature has worked out over eons of evolution uh, of how our gut senses what we eat in our diet and regulates our metabolism to handle what's coming through the pipe. And so normally carbohydrates that are present in tons of different plant foods come packaged part and parcel with these fibers. And the fibers are almost like the natural packaging or instructions Hmm. that tell our metabolism through our gut, translated through our gut and these hormones, how to process them. Uh, And, and, you know, food processing has taken these out. uh, And we're just starting to wake up to, there's a reason that there's whole foods. There's a reason these things are there. And you know, we're recognizing just how powerful they are metabolically. And, and, you know, some companies are sort of leading the charge and trying to get these things back into foods. Yeah. I, I, I didn't make this distinction um, early on in my life, but I have a daughter with type one diabetes. And so we learned, you know, she, she, she's now 18. She got it. She, she, we, she was diagnosed at four Mm -hmm. and, um, 
And we we found, you know, there just is a difference between 14 grams of carbohydrates in a cup of juice and 14 grams of carbohydrates in an orange. It's just it couldn't be more literally different how it's affected her body. Um, Juice from for the last 14 years has now been considered medicine in our house and not to be touched by anyone but her when she's in a really severe low right in a in a in a moderate low we might treat it with something with fats and stuff right there's other there's other ways to do it but if her blood sugar crashes this is like life-saving essence for her um but for me and for the rest of us we almost consider juice to be a poison because of because of the 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 dose, you know, unless you're in the middle of a marathon or doing something yeah. like that, I just don't see yeah. what the body's what use it's having for the body. So just that's the, that, that's the interesting thing with which I've known that about fiber and I've had that calculation. I just got super into for myself. I, I won't eat sugars like that really because I'm not using them like that, but yeah. I'm, I'm not paying attention to the fiber at all because it didn't seem to have a role in what I was doing. And now today I arrive at a place where I'm like, I think I, I need some more fiber. Like I need go. to understand that. And I'm also interested in pro and prebiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, as a kid, the only experience I had with them was like, if I had strep throat and did a course of antibiotics afterwards, my mom would dose me up with uh, yogurt and and probiotics. And I, I always just thought of it as like m- more of a medicine, medicine. than anything mm. else. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. What, what role do these have just in life when you're not sick or dealing with something like that? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, let me, let me start really first, just explain the difference between the two, because not everyone is as inclined as what you are. Um, and obviously, we're deep into space. And then Chris can talk about the role that they have. So think of probiotics are intended to be live bacteria that you're adding to your system, you're ingesting, whether it's through foods or whether it's through supplementation pills, what have you, intended to be additional good bugs to add to your gut microbiome, right? I mean, it's back down to the fact that you've got good bugs in your gut and bad bugs. And so probiotics are trying to add more of the good guys in versus 
prebiotics is kind of what we've been talking about. It's essentially the food for, for the good bugs in your gut. Oh, okay. And so when you take foods and supplements that are high in prebiotics and most types of fiber are have a prebiotic effect, it bypasses digestion, like the normal digestion, to make it into your gut where it feeds the good bugs in your gut. So that's the difference between the pre versus the pro. Chris can speak a little bit more about kind of what effect. Both of them have an important role to play. Not all of products that you get off the shelf are necessarily delivering uh, on that, but I'll let Chris speak to uh, uh, to the to the role each plays. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's um really nice description, Mark. And and just quickly going back to the the juice comment, um, you know, sugar uh, is meant to be had with fiber, uh, but fiber is actually meant to be had with your overall uh, food intake too. And I think people don't really think about it. They think as a supplement, oh, I just take it on good. Uh, but it's most impactful when you're eating it with other foods. So timing it with meals is important and it helps mitigate the sugars that are present in those foods. Um, but in terms of this distinction between prebiotics and probiotics, and maybe I'll make it even just a little bit more complicated because there's postbiotics too. Which Oh boy, I've never even heard of postbiotics. <laughs> So if, if, okay, so to use Mark's analogy, you have the bugs, which are the probiotics, you have their food, which is the prebiotics, and then you have the postbiotics. That's almost like their, if you could use this analogy, their poo, right? What they're producing out the other end. Um, and turns out their poo is actually really, really healthy to us. Mm-hmm. Um, those things that they're making, the molecules are things like butyrate which is starting to enter the general lexicon. Butyrate is probably one of the star molecules that the microbiome is making to impact our overall health, including, you know, weight and metabolism, these other things. But when I advise folks around, well, what should I do, doc? You know, there are all these probiotics out there. Should I take one? Now there's even prebiotics and postbiotics. Should I take those? I got to say something because I, <laughs> my thought immediately, yeah. and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking like, so there's the food, the bug, the bug's excrement. Yes. I, under, I understand you want the bugs healthy, so you got to feed it. But yeah. it seems slightly counterintuitive to me that you would run the bug's poop through it. <laughs> Is that, am I wrong? Like, I would think like the bug doesn't want its poop falling on its head. It wants its poop going the other way. Well, let me tell you something. So one person's poop is another person's food. One bug's poop is another bug's food, not person. (laughs) We're personifying the bugs. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So so the the postbiotics are being made by some bugs are actually the prebiotics for others. So they all kind of work together. Yeah. Okay. So they can eat. So, so if you put those on top, yes, it, it's going to have a good effect. Okay. So postbiotics. So now you got three <laughs> categories of stuff we can take. So freaking uh, complicated, but then again, it's not. Uh, and it, it comes back to just simple things that, you know, Michael Pollan said a long time ago. Um, and I think it was in his book in defense of food and it was eat food, mostly plants, not too much. Um, you know, you can get a lot more nuanced and complicated than that. Uh, but that's going to support a healthy gut ecosystem. All those good bugs, we can call them probiotics. Um, and that's going to support all the things that they're making, which are, are the postbiotics. Now, if folks want to you know, improve their gut health, let's say that ecosystem is impoverished. Let's say it's you know, turned into more of like a bleached coral reef. 
there's companies that are working on giving those uh, gut-derived bugs back. Um, a lot of the probiotics aren't those bugs. They're different. Mm. They're ones that come from foods. And foods are probably the better way of getting those probiotics in. And what foods would you eat? You'd eat fermented foods because the right. fermented foods are the ones that have those, those natural bugs. Uh, so that's what I always advise uh, my patients when they ask about probiotics, you know, and, and they just want a sort of general approach because there are probiotics have been studied in specific conditions, specific probiotics in specific conditions, and, and those tend to work, uh, have been studied. But just general health, what should I do? I say eat more fermented foods. Uh, and that's things like yogurts, um, kefir, you know, sauerkrauts, uh, kimchi, uh, things like that. But and then the 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 other thing that you have to keep in mind, which which I was making this mistake a lot too, is if with any of that stuff, you want the refrigerated version, right? Because the so, stuff that's been pasteurized and sitting on a shelf for six months, there's nothing alive in it anymore, right? So here's here's the rub. If if you put any stock in postbiotics, then even the things that have been fermented that may not have those live bugs anymore can still be really helpful to you. Okay, good. Yeah. So um, it, the jury's out. There's a lot more research that needs to be done around this. And if you want those live bugs um, and, and they do, the live ones do help maybe a little bit more to a certain extent. Yeah, that, that can be helpful. But I wouldn't discount the value of what those bugs have made, even if the bugs are already dead. And actually, vinegar is a good example of that. Vinegar is a postbiotic. It's otherwise known as acetate or acetic acid. Uh, okay. It, and you don't have to get the one with the mother and stuff's floating in it or anything I, like that? I'm not convinced that you do. In fact, okay. you know, the research that's been done on vinegar in general uh, supports that uh, it helps lower your blood sugar regardless of what source it is, whether it's apple cider or, or some other exotic variety. Oh, that's cool. I didn't yeah. know that. But I mean, I, I, I like vinegar. I, I really am a fan of sauerkraut. I like to heat it up. And then every time I heat it up, I'm like, I'm killing all of the benefits here. And I feel guilty, like I'm murdering my food. Uh, but, you know, I still heat it up. And so knowing that there's still some benefit makes me feel better about myself. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, there's a word you said that is the postbiotic that people are interested in now. Bactate, is that it? Oh, butyrate. Butyrate. Is this a supplement we can just take? So there are companies uh, that have produced supplements. There's uh, different uh, varieties or way that it's formulated. So tributyrin is one form of butyrate that's actually found in butter. Oh, wow. uh, so, you know, butter isn't categorically bad because it has saturated fat. There's actually some really powerful functional uh, components to it. Um, there's other forms as well. Now, you have to pick your poison because one smells really bad and mm -hmm. one tastes really bad. <laughs> um, right. And um, so formulating uh, butyrate as a supplement is really tricky, even in a pill, because the, the smell is so strong that it can actually come right through the pill. Um, so I, I think that there might be some promise, to, to, to be honest, in, in butyrate supplementation. But I think um, the beauty of of fiber um, is that you're you're supporting your own body's ability to produce butyrate in the right place, in the right time, in the right amounts. Because the main one of the main products of fiber, um, after your bacteria is chewed on it and thrown things out the other end, is 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 butyrate. Um, so 
I, I'm always for trying to go natural. Um, yeah. So you, you could do the GLP-1 drugs, uh, you could do butyrate, or you could kind of go up the chain of commands to something more natural like a fiber. And uh, get that's your exactly body to where I was going to go. That's yeah. exactly where I was going to go. I mean, the human body is just an unbelievable machine. And I think, you know, Chris had mentioned before, like Mother Nature has figured out so much, but we like made it hard for Mother Nature to do her job right and so if you get back to the basics it's all super complex and there's a lot of technical things but if you get back to some of the fundamentals like the you know eat foods mostly plants not too much and especially if you're getting fiber in your body is naturally intended to produce the mechanisms that we're talking about here that tap into that produce these butyrate that produce these you know short chain fatty acids that produce these gut hormones that you can get an injection like literally if we can like just help mother nature do her job i think that's the best way and so things like fiber in your diet taps into this exact same science that we we're talking about no i completely agree with you i think the human body is like the most advanced dumb machine right and i only say dumb because there seems to be some disconnect between whatever I am when I say I and make a distinction between me and my body, because often what I want is not what my body is doing. And so there does seem to be some disconnect there. Like mm -hmm. I want to lose weight and my body's not losing weight and my mm -hmm. body's storing fat. And so I have to figure out some complex scheme in order to get my body to do what I want it to do. And oh. yet my body is functioning at this insanely mechanical higher level where it's going like uh hunger equals starvation equals we got to slow systems down equals this that and the other thing equals like oh you're lifting weights this is what you must be doing in order mm -hmm. to, to to find food and like whatever the complex mechanisms that my body's working on and i i, I like the analogy to a car like if if we were putting more fuel in our car every day than we use, which we all do, who who goes to bed on a completely empty fuel tank? You don't do it. You fill it up or, or it's got a little bit in there. And that little bit of fuel in the car was causing the car to gain weight every day. We would get so good at calculating how much fuel we needed to put in our cars because who'd want to waste money on making the car heavier and slower? We wouldn't do it, right? Um and likewise, with what you're talking about, fiber and fruits and vegetables and getting it through food, if you're putting the wrong oil into your car and your car is not performing right and it's coughing up smoke, we would we would solve that. Right. But for some reason, I just think that a lot of people and, and I include myself in this for the majority of my life you get into a state of low performance and you're no longer even aware that you're hmm. performing at a lower level than you could be. Right. Like uh, I'm putting stuff into my body so frequently that I'm not even aware of the, the malaise that I feel the, the physical ailments that are present until I get some distance and I'm out of it for a while. And then I eat one of the things that I used to eat and I've, feel like I'm dying the next day, right? Like it takes some separation. Anyway, I think that car analogy is absolutely brilliant. Um, I've never thought of things quite like that before. And maybe I can add to that analogy. Please. Okay. <clears throat> Let's imagine that our bodies think that they're always on empty. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Even though that tank is full, they think they're empty. And that 
could be right at the crux of our overweight and metabolic problem where mm -hmm. there are certain things that are missing and it's not the fuel per se. It might be maybe oil or some of those other little things in there that are really important for how that car overall works. And all the car is sensing is something is missing, something's not right. And the only way it can report that to us is with an empty fuel gauge. Right. Hmm. <laughs> right. You, you know, there's so a keep putting in more fuel, but actually right. there's some other things that we need that are setting that fuel. There's that a fuel. big argument right now in this area of like yeah. it's genes, it's genetic versus it's it's mm -hmm. it's dietary right it's the it's mm -hmm. the landscape of the food for me i was raised by a mom who was a health food nut and mm. and it never really stopped me from overeating so for me the idea that if we just removed seed oils and msg from the diet this would handle all obesity that's not true i think you'll still find yeah. people that are compelled to overeat i do it for yeah. a variety of reasons very I, if I'm being completely honest, hunger, actual physical hunger was a small percentage of why huh. I overate. Mm -hmm. But but, but mm -hmm. uh, and on the other side of the spectrum, it's like, you know, it takes a million years to actually evolve a gene. Right. But then there's studies like the Dutch hun hunger winter that show like a, a severe famine can change a gene in a generation. And mm -hmm. and what if we are in a famine of nutrients, right? Hmm. This is my idea. Like yes. what if starting in the forties or the thirties, they stripped the food of so much nutrients that even 100%. though we're overeating the yes. body, the, the gut thinks yeah. it's starving yeah. and it's going develop the genes to overeat because you're not getting enough food. You are so on to no, it. So it's actually yeah. both no, in my for opinion. Sure, for sure. For sure. You're, you're so right. I mean, I, cause the thing that happens here is it's not just a linear function, right? It actually is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you think about like what we are feeding and what we are not feeding our bodies, the body adapts, right? And so, it, you know, in, in, in great ways, but also in some ways, unfortunate ways, like when you're starving the body of nutrients and when you're overfeeding, you know, the bad fuel, right, into your body, you're actually rewiring your body, your system to think that that's what you need for yeah. survival, for fulfillment, right? And so therefore programming you to want more of the things which are bad for you and program you to not necessarily be expecting these good nutrients that you otherwise should be getting in your diet. And so that's why I talk about sugar as like a drug, right? It's not just the one, it's not just the effect of having that Cinnabon right then, Right. It's the fact that you are wiring your body to expect you to be consuming that. And so therefore you are desiring more of that in the future. So it actually becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy over time. Yeah. Um, I start to think about these guys who just want like regulate seed oils, uh, you know, uh, put make sugar be like uh, nicotine or something like this. I think mm -hmm. like. You're you're if you if you go that route rather than like let's start increasing the stuff that our body's gonna react to in a positive way, you're gonna have a bunch of like lunatic addicts running around freaking out because they can't get a fix of sugar. You know what I mean? Like selling this it on the corner. So I got the yeah. I got the stuff for you. 
there's like packets. <laughs> hundred different points that you just made that are that are great and that are worth unpacking. You know, the first point is it's not just about taking those bad things out. You know, certain oils and I actually wouldn't categorically say seed oils in general are sure. um, terrible, but you know, maybe certain types of fats that we get too much of. Yeah. Mm-hmm and others that we're, we're truly not getting enough of. Some carbohydrates, simple ones that we're getting too much of, but other ones like fibers that we're not getting enough of. Uh, some micronutrients like salt, sodium that we get too much of, and others that we're not getting enough of like potassium. And, and I can go on and on. It's ultimately the balance or the ratios of these things that are probably really important. And as much bringing those things that we get too much of, they're not bad. We're just getting too much of it and bringing up those things we're not getting enough of to achieve that natural balance that food has evolved to be and yeah. that we evolved block and step to, to, to eat. So I think that's a super important point uh, that you made. And I just wanted to, to underscore that. The other point that you made is it's not just about hunger as we experience it. There's a psychological component yeah. to it as well. Uh, and how stress, anxiety uh, can feed into that. And I don't think we should underplay that. That is so, so important. So I wanted to to underscore that. And then the last point that you made, the genetic piece. So can can genes really change uh, in the course of a generation? Traditional right. genetics can't, but right. there is something called epigenetics, right. right? Where those genes... They're still there. They're just turned on or off yeah. in the course of a generation. That truly does change from generation to generation. Lamarckian evolution, you know, there was Lamarck and there was Darwin. They had this great debate whether if a giraffe stretches its neck throughout its life, whether its progeny are going to have longer necks. <laughs> and that was all disproven. But now we're coming around and realizing that epigenetics is kind of like a draft stretching its neck a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's not just survival of the fittest and, and selection of, of those that are most fit. So that point also, I think, is a really important one. And they're all sort of like thrown at once, but I, I wanted to yeah. kind of pick each one out because I think they're they're really, really uh, well put and important. It, it's, it just seems to me like all of the arguments about any of this stuff, like weight loss, and even if we get into like being overweight is healthy, right? There's this whole new thing, right? Like all of the arguments are so one or the other. And then you have these little echo chambers on the internet where it's like, we're just going to be in this group or we're going to be in this group. And I I don't think any of them are going to actually uh, resolve any of these big problems, right? Because they're all kind of looking at just creating factions of, of belief systems. And for me, it's like, I'm into individuals who want to improve themselves, right? That's all I'm interested in. I don't give a shit how you're improving yourself. If you, if your, if your recognition is that I have gotten better, I've done something, I've overcome something that's super interesting to me. And so like the thing I've noticed most about myself that I want to overcome is how do I increase fiber in my life and, and (laughs) remain sane, right? Like this is, yeah. My biggest hurdle right now. Yeah. And, and and I think the sustainability aspect is so key, right? I mean, and you talked about this at the outset. And so many factions and diets and, you know, products are, you know, focused on how do I impact this one metric and how do I do it kind of 
right away in a way that I could see a sustained change, but not thinking of like the holistic and definitely not thinking about the sustainability of the solution. And that's where like whole health is so about like not just getting an immediate pop and then just going back. It yeah. is about how do you create something that you can sustain, that you can live in your lifestyle, that works for your diet, that works for your life, that works for your mental health, right? There's got to be so much more emphasis placed mm -hmm. on that. And that's where I think solutions that are more, uh, I, I call it less about like ultimate restriction and doing one thing and that are more holistic and balanced, I think are the best path. Because yeah, maybe you don't automatically see a dramatic step change in this one metric, but you know what? It's a gradual continued improvement of your foundation for health over time and you can sustain that. That is so much more the way, uh, the path to, to better health and disease prevention than a quick fix kind of a yo-yo diet that is gonna move this one metric, but then a couple months, you're back, if not even worse than you were before. That's just not the not the way. Well, I got to be honest with you. I think the biggest mistake I made is is I wanted to go from like I'm not even going to say my pitiful numbers from whatever my pitiful numbers were, very low, single digits to 40 grams of fiber a day. Right. I tried to do that, and and it just has been kind of like this is too much work, right? Like I think I need yeah. to ease into it more. And if easing into it more is just like actively increasing my fruits and veggies on a kind of slow timeline that is mm -hmm. more realistic, right? That's going to be the way it happens naturally. If I get my dose of chia seeds, if I get my couple servings of fruits and veggies, I'm still nowhere near 40 grams at that point, but I'm yep. doing better. And then honestly, if I can take one of your shakes and get there and it's not going to, you know, kill my calories for the day, which I'm still aware of, uh, I'll be very happy. You're there. Yeah, I got you. I think one I got of the you. misgivings um, with public health messaging, you know, for the last 20 years is, hey, it's been confusing. And, you know, um, some of the advice have changed uh, back and forth. A solution that seems obvious, eat more whole foods. It's true, but we're not really giving people the tools and how to do that. And that's changing. You know, there's technology that's helping with this meal delivery systems and, you know, even personalized approaches uh, to, to eating uh, whole foods. But I do think that making processed foods better is also a really, really important part of that equation. What is it that we're missing? How can we put those things back in? Um, and I think if we can solve that part of the equation, we're going to be a lot more successful at sustainable change in people because people will be able to have some of the familiar foods that they've come mm -hmm know to like and 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 that are quite frankly easy and affordable i um, totally agree this is actually a fascinating um area because i i in my life i've seen the cycles of this and it will go mm -hmm. like uh gluten is the bad one just you just right, need to be aware right. of gluten and then i know yep. for a fact that if i make my own sourdough bread the gluten is not the same as the gluten in store-bought bread right like the the bacteria has consumed itself and shit out something that's now not as harmful for me i know that right michael pollan um yep. but you go to get gluten bread and then suddenly they're they're jacking up the fats in the gluten mm -hmm. bread. They're putting sugar into the gluten bread. The gluten bread is no better for you because it doesn't have gluten than glutinous bread. And I think that you're you're dead on right. But I think that a lot of this stuff becomes marketing 
Mm-hmm. And you're going to find even in the health food store, you go to the health food store and it's like, well, this doesn't have X, but it's got a lot of Y and Z, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, like the, the high <laughs> yeah. fiber tortillas that I was eating, I believe have that shitty version of fiber that it's like, what am I even doing here? I'm not just, I'm just trying to get a number on a graph that is meaningless to my body. And the food industry is, is catering to there, there's been this sort of polarization and fra- fracturization of different approaches to diets. And you have very entrenched camps and perspectives, um, you know, everything from carnivore to vegan to, you know, in between keto and, um, it's, it's all super, super polarized. And I have a word for this. I call them diet tribes yeah. uh, and diet tribes with their diatribes, right? Like <laughs> just talking nonsense. Talking. Yeah. 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 It, it would be wonderful if we could have more of a coordinated approach and an approach that, you know, is really sympathetic and listens uh, to each of those perspectives because there's truth that actually uh, fuels those perspectives. Yeah. For mm-hmm. example, folks that go keto or that even go carnivore, it may be that their gut is so impoverished that having some of the higher fiber foods makes them feel really crummy be a bit much. because they don't mm-hmm. have the metabolic capacity for it. And likewise, the folks that you know go vegan, there, there may be differences in their metabolism, uh, in their microbiome, that you know, having a meat-based diet, apart from all the other arguments for why vegan would be the way to go, makes them feel better. So really listening, one of the first things we learn in medical school is listen to the patient, (laughs) like listen to the customer or or listen to the individual that's sitting there in front of you and really understand them. And I think if we start doing that in these diet tribes, (laughs) maybe the discourse will be a lot more uh, productive. I completely agree. I've had this argument a number of times from both sides of these groups because I've, I've lost weight eating a ketogenic diet. I just got to a point where I was eating too much. And so the Mm -hmm. whole, the whole thing that sold me on keto was like, you don't ever have to be concerned with how much you eat. Your body's going to figure it out. And I had to realize like. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's not just, I don't eat just for hunger. Like I eat because I'm anxious. I eat because I'm sad. I eat because I'm happy. You know, I'm celebrating with 46 ounces of steak. I'm not going to lose weight if I do that regularly. Right. And cover it in butter and all of this. It just didn't work for me. It wasn't a long-term solution, but if somebody is having success, I'm totally with you. I'm like, I'm never, I have no reason to say that person's wrong. But I do think it becomes religious when somebody experiences something and then assumes that because they experience something, yeah. therefore it means everybody else is going yes. to experience it in the same way. Exactly. I, I I find that eating a diet of foods that have one ingredient, whatever it is, chicken, broccoli, potato, that's that for me works best mm-hmm. if somebody else likes you know, and and by the way, it's not an absolute. I'll also throw in some stuff occasionally that has more than one ingredient, right? And it and it doesn't derail me. But for mm-hmm. the most part, the foods that I'm eating have one ingredient, and that works really well for me. I'm not saying that everybody has to do that, or that right. we right. should regulate society based on some model built on that. That to me sounds stupid. But for people who are experiencing things similar to what I'm experiencing. I I just want to say like you lose the weight. There's still other stuff that's going to come up. And like, I, I want to get to a place where I don't, I am, I'm, I've worked this into my system. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Right. 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 And so you sustain, right. And so it's not just sustaining the healthier weight, but you sustain better health. Right? Right. And so that's the that's the fundamental key in having a, a more holistic approach and, and one that is accessible and sustainable for you as an individual. I think that's the that's the key to where it's at. Yeah, I do too. Guys, thank you so much. This has been an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you too. Absolutely. We really enjoyed it as well, Ethan. You are up on your up on your game, man. You're up on your game. We'll get you I'm some try- super to help out with their with your fiber gap. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to try it, honestly, because, uh, you know, I'm I'm struggling a little bit, but it isn't something yeah. that I'm overwhelmed by. But I'm yeah. like, I'm yeah. looking for ways to improve. It's not easy. <laughs> so we're here right. for you. <laughs> All right. See you later. Thanks so much. See you. And now for the Q&A. Today's question is from John. Hi, John. John says, first off, thanks for being an inspiration. I think what you're doing is awesome. And I love the podcast. He says, my question is about controlling hunger. I am not overweight at the moment and in fact, probably in the best shape of my life, but I've been overweight in the past, especially as a kid. So I know what it feels like to deal with struggling to lose weight. I can attribute my fitness success to consistency and hard training. However, I am always struggling with trying to curb my appetite. I am often pushing myself when it comes to training, but often struggle with my portions because of this, which I believe keeps me from getting to the next level of fitness. I eat well and healthy almost all the time, but definitely over consume more than I should. 
Do you have any suggestions on overcoming this? Perhaps certain foods that are low calorie and very satisfying? Yeah. I mean, if, uh, he says he eats very healthy. So that, that, um, value, I, I don't, is, is slightly ambiguous, I think. Cause what does healthy mean? Like, you know, your friend Loren might think dipping everything in camel hump fat is super healthy. And mm-hmm. who knows what John means by healthy? Maybe he means, you know, he's having diet Coke instead of regular Coke, which I personally do find healthier, but mm-hmm. I still think you should drink water instead of either of those things. Um, so healthy and satiating foods for me, again, not necessarily going to work for everyone, but like veggies and lean protein fill me up quite a bit. I could easily overeat rice or pasta with a fat on them and then be hungry right away. Like if I just eat sushi, I'm I'm hungry very, very soon after that. But if I eat sushi and a bunch of steamed vegetables, I'm not hungry. And if I eat sushi and a plate or even two of sashimi and get ex- all that extra protein, I'm, I'm fuller longer. So for me, it's, it's lean proteins, veggies that really, I get the most bang for my buck out of, does that make sense? Yeah, it um, does. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's going to work for John if he's eating healthy and in pretty good shape. If he wants to take it to the next level, you know, again, that's a tricky one. Like the next level, do you want to get leaner? Do you want to get stronger? Do you you might need to eat more if you want to get stronger? Do you want to be able to run further? Like those would all be in in his tr- in his training, not so much diet. So if he's just looking to get leaner then, you know, the, the way that I've found, um, most workful, workable for, for me is leaner proteins, trying to cut down on fats. Cause, cause I can very easily overeat fats and, um, being very diligent with when I eat my carbs and how much carbs I'm eating. So I try to get the lion's share of my carbs uh, before and after I work out in the morning. And then the majority of my food is lean meats and vegetables. And I hate vegetables. So I'm, I'm literally eating vegetables almost like a, like a person, like a neurotic person takes vitamins or something like that. There's nothing that I enjoy about eating vegetables. Vegetables suck. Like, I, you know, to me, you say like, vegetables and whatever my ego or my id or whatever it is, the part of me that just wants to have, you know, have pleasure is going to tell you like scalloped potatoes are a vegetable, you know, and, and that truly couldn't be further from that's a fatty starch for me now. It's not a vegetable, you know, yeah. you say Brussels, eat some Brussels sprouts. And I'm like, well, can you deep fry them and then candy them somehow and give me big lardones of bacon with them? That's delicious. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. That, but I don't, you know, I, I don't think you're going to have super like peak athlete abilities if you're overeating those, but it'd be very hard to overeat steamed Brussels sprouts. Like you can eat quite a few of those. Um, and, you know, not have a bad caloric impact from them. That's that. That's my suggestion. And, you know, 
lean ground turkey, lean ground beef. Bison is a good meat that's got a great protein to fat ratio. Fish, eat lots of fish. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not totally sure what, how John eats right now. Um, but my suggestion would be to jack up the protein a little bit and then, um, you know, if you, if you have a, a problem, fill up your tummy with, you know, I've, I, I've done long drives where I just bring heads of celery with me and I'll eat the whole head of celery. And, um, you know, you got an audio book on and you're driving and it's kind of mindless and you just want to snack on something and it'd be easy to snack on a bag of potato chips, but there's celery's crunchy and it's, it's doing absolutely nothing for your body calorically, but it's putting stuff in your stomach, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a celery diet is a good strategy because you're going to be so deficient in protein. So it's not like that, but like I can sit and munch on cucumbers and not worry about the caloric impact that they're going to have. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that, uh, I hope that that's helpful to him. Obviously, there's a little bit of specifics of what he is eating that we're lacking, but everything you said is such good advice and you couldn't go wrong with that regardless, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. See see how many over chick, uh, boneless, skinless chicken breasts you can overeat. It's difficult. <laughs> Cook them yeah. without oil. And, you know, even if you salt them, it's still going to be tough to overeat them. And, and, you know, if you want something a little bit more tender, you could get the um, what do they call chicken tenderloins? It's still just chicken breast, but like they cut that one tender piece off of it and sell it separately, cook a shitload of those and good luck overeating. You know what I mean? Like knock yourself out. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. And thanks for the question. And if anyone else has a question that they would like Ethan to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at americanglutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.